Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Uh, David Olson, that was calling me on. Uh, that was Joel calling me on the cell phone on the other line. I told him we're going on the air in about ten seconds. He said, "Oh, I'm dying on the wrong line." Welcome everybody, TalkZone.com. Coaching uh, the man known as the Big Dog. We rarely call him Joel, but he is indeed the Big Dog. On the other line, we will bring you sports and more right up until eleven o'clock. Actually, Joel will. I won't. i got to leave about halfway through the show today. i got to do a little PA announcing at DePaul University. But, uh, Big Dog, I'm sure you will carry the torch, my friend. Yesterday, I believe, the words of advice I gave you were live one day at a time and make sure you scratch where it itches. Did you follow my advice, my friend, and how are you? Uh, yes, I did. I did scratch where it itches, and the problem was she told me she wasn't itching there at, the, at that moment. Take it easy. Take it easy. Remember, we are America's number one uh, family sports show as long as you don't have a family and you're living in America. But, yeah, that's, um, that's true on both parts, Doug. Yes. Yeah. Well, I like to impart words of advice on you, Big Doug. You know, a little Confucius say very seldom do you take it to heart, sort of like my uh, two teenage sons. But as a fatherly figure to them and to a certain extent to you, I like to impart advice even if it's not listened to. Thank you very much. Well, no, no. You can go right ahead and impart it, and I might import it. <laughs> Thank well, I you. might export it. I'm not sure yeah. exactly what I'll do with it. I'll have to figure out that play on words later. Well, either way, I feel the better for it. Now, yesterday you said uh, after I depart, you had threatened very little sports talk, but you're going to bring up some interesting topics. I believe the segment you were going to name it was Hear Ye, Hear Ye. Well, no, 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 no. That was your segment, and I didn't oh. know what you called it. My segment was really... Seek Seek, and Ye Shall Find. Oh, that's what it was. Okay. Yeah, but I Hear was... Ye, Hear Ye is not bad either. Well, I like what hear ye, hear ye. These stories are scary. Is that I think that's what that was the name of it. Yeah, that's not okay. bad. That's not bad. Look, for instance, uh, if you want to get off of, you know, well, it's semi sports related, but uh, cent- centenarian, one hundred years old, Fauja Singh. I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. He's got the yellow turban. He's got the big white beard and mustache. He's got I the know Guinness- who you're talking about, Coach. Hundred year older, and he completed the marathon. You got to throw some kudos the way of Fauja Singh. I mean, uh, that guy did awesome in his age group, by the way, Coach. He won it. Yes. He was the only one in his age group. Yep. That's one, one way to win a competition. But 100 years old, getting the marathon done, that's uh, that's pretty good, Big Dog. That is pretty good. It's yeah. not bad. You know, if you think about being able, I don't know what his time was, but to be able to go 26.2 miles in any particular day for mm-hmm. a guy 100, that's pretty good. Walk it, run it, jog it, however you do at the age of 100, that's absolutely amazing. Singe claimed another eight records. Eight records for 100 years. He ran like the 100 meter. He ran the 50. He ran the 200. So he did all these events and set the record. Uh, he's got like eight different Guinness Book World Records for 100 years and over. That's not... What's his name? Uh, Fauja could pass away tomorrow, and he'd live a very happy life after setting those records, Big Dumb. Yeah, he should be an extremely proud man. You know, it's funny that you said that because a, uh, a friend of mine has an uncle that, like, supposedly, you know, is like was when he was younger was like the fastest guy in Illinois, and mm-hmm. all. You know, and I used to hear that, and I'm like, okay, whatever. And one day, I saw the uncle 
slapped his nephew who was like who was like fifty at the time and he was like eighty in the back of the net and they turned and, and he ran and I never saw a human being run like that before. I was like, Oh my goodness. I was like, Uncle Dick can flat out fly. <laughs> and, you know, I was telling Uncle Dick, you got to get into these old-time racing. You know, he could set the, like, the world record at it. And, you know, he's like, oh, I don't have time for that. Oh, what do you mean? It's going to take you 20 seconds to run 100 meters. Just set a record. I looked it up. The record for an 80-year-old running 20 meters coach is like 17 and a half seconds. I'm telling you, Come he on. could run faster than 17 I'm and a half seconds. I'm telling you, we, the two of us, we could find an 80-year-old to beat that record, big dog. Seven, so you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. But I'm telling you, this, this Uncle Dick could do it, okay? Remember, the faster you run, the sooner you're done. This is true. That applies not only in the 200 meter, but, uh, you know, if you're in bad need of a bathroom as well. I used to remember that when I was playing uh, football my, in my freshman year in college where I didn't play both ways. Yep. You know, I made three great plays to get off the field. Like, seriously, we did our job and we have to leave the field? But we suck to get to be out there all day long. Yeah, it's sort of like, uh, that's an interesting concept. It, it reminds me a little bit of my golf, which I rarely play when I do, I'm very bad. And I'll always use the theory, and it's 25% correct, that hey, if I'm going to, you know, spend 50 or 60 bucks, 70 bucks, 100, whatever it costs now on a nice course, I'm going to get my shots worth. The guy who plays good golf is only getting to hit the ball 60, 70 times. You know, that's, a, that's an excellent lie that I can tell my friends yeah. next time when I'm out there and I yeah. suck really bad at golf. It's, it's a theory anyways. It's not particularly a good or bad golfer. It's one of the one of many excuses that you could possibly use. Now getting back to the whole track thing, I remember a uh, teacher I had in high school, Jerry Parsons. And he was the he was a math teacher. Kind of Didn't a you hate when he gave you a big homework assignment and you had to do the Jerry Parsons project? Not a, <laughs> I don't think so. I mean you know <laughs> I don't think so. He looked like a young Jim Carrey. Good-looking guy, good sense of humor, funny guy. But anyhow, he was the head track coach. He had a two-year-old son, uh, uh, Joel. Uh -huh. I almost called you Perry. Perry's my uh, Comcast football announcing partner. Sorry about that. And he went out one day, and he called the reporters, apparently, a little publicity-seeking here, and went over to the local high school track, and it had his two-year-old son, Stevie. I still remember the kid's name because it got front-page publicity the following day and he had his son stevie he must have checked out all the guinness book of world record track records for two-year-olds and the kids set like six or seven different records for two-year-olds little stevie parsons so you know 100 years old two years old there's a guinness book of world record to be beaten how about that for jerry parsons you know i thought it was all great when i actually investigated this particular story coach but i was, I was a little disappointed with the human growth hormones in the steroid part of the story <laughs> So you're saying Fausins, the 100-year-old with the yellow turban, actually was doing some pharmaceuticals? Uh, no, no, I was talking about the, the father uh, of the two-year-old. Oh, <laughs> come on. I thought you were talking about the 100-year-old. Uh, you know, that's either, that's either really cute and a cool thing for a dad to do, or it's a little scary. Coach. It's, uh, you know, looking back, back when I was a high school kid, I thought it was cool. Looking back on it with better perspective now, it is questionable. Yeah. Especially when he's introduced as this is my son, the world record holder, and he calls all the newspapers, you know, to to get the publicity. So, little shaky, but anyhow, from two to a hundred, there's a Guinness Book of World Record. Big dog, we are in bad need of publicity for our show. There's no question about that. We're trying to get it out there, uh, quality product. Hopefully, we're uh, you know picking up listeners as we go here. The snowballs. Hopefully gaining slowly but surely, but is there a Guinness Book of World Record you could think maybe you could do some research, the two of us? 
could you know get a little pub by breaking some kind of obscure record. You know that that's really good. You know, it, back in like 1990, I would have had a chance at like some eating record coach, mm-hmm. but that's gone off the charts. You know what I mean? If you just because back then, like the record for eating a hot like hot dogs in 12 minutes was like yep. 12. You know, I could have done 12 hot dogs in 12 minutes. Okay, I can't do 62 hot dogs in 12 minutes, coach. No. So, like the, the eating parts of the record, those have those have been pushed to the limit. I I don't know mm-hmm. about that. So, I, I can't speed talk like these guys. All right, well, maybe, uh, you know, you got a little research time while you're, you got a little slow time in your kayak on the, uh, Chicago River. Uh, pull out a Guinness Book record and, and find some obscure record and, uh, maybe the two of us could pull it off and get a little pub for the show. That's your uh-huh. homework assignment. How about most Chicago River water digested over a summer? Not I sure that's, that you know, we might set a record and we will get publicity. That's the positive part, but uh, we probably won't be on the air anymore because the two of us will be resting comfortably in Illinois Masonic Hospital. Well, I've already done all that is what I'm saying to you, Coach, this summer. Oh. I've already digested more than any human being supposed to. <laughs> so you are toxic of sorts. Yeah, there is a glow about me lately. <laughs> Speaking of glow. Speaking of glow, you posted on Facebook uh, the young lady you've been talking about. I believe we are calling her on the show, Lily the Lilac. Lily the Lilac. On the yeah, Facebook page, and uh, holy mackerel, you talk about outkicking your coverage, big dog. <laughs> now I know why you are so smitten. Lily the Lilac, uh, in the words of dearly departed Detroit Piston coach Chuck uh, Daly, awfully good. Uh, coach, I would have to completely agree with you right there. I have... Uh... I'm very happy is the best way I can say it. I mm-hmm. don't have any other ex- explanation for it, folks, but, Coach, yeah, you pretty much just summed it up right there, buddy. <laughs> well, <laughs> you opened yourself up by posting that on Facebook. I don't know what kind of comments you can get, but two thumbs up from myself and, of course, producer David Olson. Well, I mean, yeah, I don't even have her as one of my Facebook friends, which is a funny thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I'm posting pictures of her. Mm-hmm. Like, who, who, like, immediately, because I knew people were like, who are you talking about? I'm like, it's too bad. It's too bad. You know, I'm not going to give you guys any information, but next thing you know, you know, people are going to be showing up at her door. So how is the big dog? You know, how do you smell? You know, people don't, oh, she doesn't goodness. realize. I've been trying to tell her out. Not only will, uh, you know, I get stalked, she's going to get stalked soon because of it. Yep. I hope not. I hope not. I hope the relationship fosters, and I will tell you, uh, not festers, by the way. I said fosters. I will tell you, assistant producer Randy Myers had to be toweled off this morning after looking at that picture. Yeah. Actually, Randy had to be toweled off this weekend. I, I meant to throw some kudos out. We were, you know, beat the schmoes, uh, you know, Monday after the football season, but we got to give, uh, some kudos to Randy. He went on his first ever big dog. I don't know what your camping experience is, but his first ever overnight camping really? trip with the Cub Scout troop with a bunch of seven and eight year olds. A very brave man, and apparently he has lived to talk about it. Oh, that's what I absolutely love, love camping. And, uh, I'm going to hopefully start doing it again. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the day after I found out that I was getting a divorce, I realized that the tens of thousands of dollars worth of camping equipment was no longer in my home. Uh-oh. So I, I haven't gone since coaching. It's, like, it's one of those things where, like, I don't want to go and buy it. You know what I mean? Because I'm like, I already had all this stuff before. So it's mm-hmm. like ripping at me. You know what I, you know, and I, and I haven't gone camping since then, and I really do miss I miss that. Now, so. as a kid, did you uh, experience a similar uh, to what Mr. Myers has just experienced? He's still walking around like in a complete daze. He has a smile on his face, but it's one of those Forrest Gump-type smiles. Big, I don't think he's fully recuperated yet, but did you camp out as a youngster? Did your uh, dad take you camping? And uh, anybody, Hopefully you didn't go to like the Happy Campers Overnight Day Camp uh, sponsored by your local church and priest. Well, oh, no, no, no. 
you know I was an altar boy coach, and and That's luckily nice. I was never diddled. Okay, okay. and that, and and it happened at uh, the church I was at. So I, I oh don't boy. joke about that stuff. Oh I don't. Saints Glass the church in the 1980s. Look that up in the literature, and I wasn't one of them. Luckily, mm-hmm. people. Okay. So when I when I have a disdain for the Catholic Church, I really have a disdain for the Catholic Church. That's another issue. So you were not uh, one of the uh, the happy campers. No, I was okay. not one of the happy campers. I did go to the <laughs> the Happy Valley Dude Ranch, yeah. Central Illinois. Oh boy, that sounds almost as bad. Who ran that puppy? I forget, but it was awesome. Mr. Rulo was the was the guy who took us all out there in mm-hmm. fifth grade. It was like the first time I had stayed away from my parents ever in my life. It was like for four days. It was mm-hmm. the best. I'm telling you, that was a good time. Yeah. So, right. but no, I never camped until after college, and then all of a sudden. My boy Sonny Nutri and I started doing it, and after that, I, I was hooked. Yep. He, he taught me the proper way. To, do you know how to, the proper way to start a fire risk coach? Um, you know what you need? The, the trick. The, okay. so if you're going to go out and start a fire with, uh, you want to impress your family? Mm-hmm. Hey, you know, that's a fire. Do you know what you You just take a pocket full of sawdust. You drop the sawdust on the twigs. You drop it up. The sawdust goes up immediately, and there's a fire. And your, your boys will be like, Wow. It's incredible. Wait, I, but I, the Boy Scout boy will, will already know what you did, so that really wasn't I that. missed something in there. I heard the pocket full of sawdust, and then you what happens? The sawdust, you throw it on the wood. Sawdust is like 10 times better than uh, than uh, gasoline. Oh. We see somebody starting up a, like in the in the neighborhood, hey, I'm going to have a barbecue, and they, they get the gas on and start pouring it all over the charcoal. Stay away from that person. But there is, there is a, you don't just pour sawdust on the wood and it starts a fire. you got to actually light a match, correct? Yes, coach. Okay. I, mean, I yeah. thought you had some, like, some magic. You, you didn't formula. hear that part when I said you throw the sawdust on there, you drop a match. That's the part I didn't hear. <laughs> I did not hear the drop a match part. I thought you were giving me some, like, you know, some incredible. I mean, you've been been known to uh, come up with some amazing things, which I've learned rarely to doubt, quite frankly. But okay, so you got to drop a match in there as well. Yes, yes, that, that's, that's the one thing. So. Okay. Very good. Well, at any rate, I, well, I did want to throw a belated. Congratulations. I don't know if congratulations is the right word, but he survived the weekend, not just with your own son, dog, but you're out there helping supervise seven or eight or nine other little seven-year-olds. Not an easy task. Only two got lost, by the way. You know, that's stressful. That really is stressful because, I mean, anything can happen when you're going camping. A kid can come back with, uh, if you guys have seen the other guys with with, uh, Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg, (laughs) you can come back with, with Poison Ivy on your rectum. Yep. Or maybe a broken bone, or who knows, drowning or something like that. That is some serious stress for a parent to have to deal with that many kids on a camping trip. No question about it. I, you know, like I said, he was back in the office on Monday. I didn't think he would be, but he was definitely walking around in a daze, kind of a glazed smile on his face. But once I showed him the picture of Lily the Lilac, uh-huh. boom, snapped out of it. He's back to assistant producer Randy Meyer, stalker extraordinaire. It, it, the picture snapped him out of his daze. Yeah, just, you better be careful. The girl is uh, an experienced grappler, okay? <laughs> don't want to mess with that girl. I tell you, Lily the Lilac, do not borrow money from her if you don't intend on paying it back. Okay. <laughs> All right. Good. Well, that sounds like the perfect woman for you. All right. 888-463-6748. Again, i got to bow out early today. I apologize. Big Dog, I'll take it home. I'll be out tomorrow, but back, Big Dog. Don't you worry for a football Friday. I don't know about you. I haven't previewed... The weekend coming, I really don't know how many great games coming up. I know our beloved Bears have a bye, but uh, do you have any pulse of what's happening football-wise this weekend? Yeah, I do know that on November 6th, Alabama hosts LSU, and I'm preparing for it in the house already. That's a 7 o'clock Saturday night game. 
I, I don't care what's happened on that particular Saturday night, and I know I'm a Big Ten guy. I am mm-hmm. watching the national championship game that day. Wow. Where, uh, do you know where that game is at? Oh, it's, it's in Tuscaloosa, Coach. Uh, it's at Big Al's house, so it's going to be one heck of a football game. Oh, I mean, I'm, I'm, it's, it's, I'm, I'm worried about next week. I'm not even worried. The Bears are off this week. I'm pretty sure Illinois has a bye this week. I have a lot of stuff to get done. I am, I'm not even thinking about football this particular weekend. So when I give you my three beat the schmoes picks, people, mm-hmm. so opposite. Okay. Well, that's what uh, would have been successful the last couple of weeks. You've had a couple of down weeks, but uh, part of it is just lack of general information. But either way, we'll have, we'll have a football Friday, a spirited version of it when I return on Friday. So we'll make sure we uh, preview some of those games. Real quick, the big matchup, maybe the game of the season, which is occurring on November 6th, uh, I'm going to guess... See if you're with me here. LSU at home. LSU four-point favorite. I'm going to give them three for home and a one-point favorite over Alabama. Like, like I said, it's in Tuscaloosa at Big oh. Al's house. Alabama's the favorite. Tuscaloosa? Alabama's a five-point favorite. Wow. Five. Which means that they're saying that on a neutral side, Alabama will be a one- or two-point edge. I, I, I find that hard to believe. Yeah, That's I was, a lot of points. I was just going to ask you, would, would you? Alabama could, should be a two-and-a-half-point favorite. That's what they should be. Yeah. So based based on how they've played this year, you're saying LSU may be ever, ever so slightly more impressive than Alabama? Yeah, I honestly, I truly do think that because uh, defensively, both of them have been so good and so dominant. It's hard to say one's better than the other, even though statistically Alabama gives up fewer, fewer yards and fewer points. But, but. Almost as importantly, LSU's defense takes the ball away more and scores more. Mm-hmm. So they're they're equally impressive and incredible. So the thing is, is LSU's offense has been just a little more consistent, especially at the quarterback play, because Alabama has played quarterback this year. That McCarron kid, they, he, his whole thing is, you can't lose the game. You cannot lose it. Where it's the same thing kind of with Jared Lee, but they'll let him throw the ball a little bit down the mm-hmm. field at LSU. That's the difference is that, LSU is willing to actually uh, throw the ball a little bit on offense, and Alabama hasn't yet so far this year. Coach. Big Dog already fired up for that game. It's in a couple of weeks. David Olson, let's give an early test to the seriousness of the potential relationship between the dog and the lilac. Uh, hypothetical. November 6th, Saturday, November 6th, what if Lily the lilac comes up with some plans for a nice dinner, a little late-night walk in the park? Let's take our relationship a step further little uh, romantic evening out, and she doesn't realize the big game is planned for that day. She plans it for November 6th. What does the big dog do, which used to be a segment we used to run on the morning break? Well, that, that, that's, a, that's a real good question, Coach. Believe it or not, I'm already prepping this particular game. You know, uh, I'd really like to make a nice meal for you on a Saturday night. But the, here's the thing. <laughs> right. I'm not kidding. With the, oh, so you're doing, a, you're doing a preemptive strike. Yeah, and, and i got to be honest with you, typically, Coach, because most people have like two off days a week, I would I would be like, you know what? I've been this is like the national championship game list okay. for three hours on this night. Let me watch this game. There's a play. <laughs> I, this, this girl works seven days a week, so if she happened to take a day off. I don't know what I would do. I'd really be in a in like I'd be handcuffed. Okay. I mean, if you want to take one of the seven days off, you work a week. I might have to give you an hour or two. But the only thing is, I can only see out of one eye, so I couldn't actually hang out and watch at the same time. <laughs> All right, I just thought I'd present that scenario, but I think your your best option is uh, plan in advance, a preemptive strike, if you will, so that situation does not happen. But I can tell you're psyched up for that game. Hey, I'm 10 minutes away from winning a bet, Big Dog. 
Well, what is Ten minutes of- away from winning a bet, there are people out there that said we could not uh, discuss Theo Epstein here on the show, and I said we will do that. In fact, on our Facebook page today, I said it's going to be Theo Free Sports Talk Radio. Uh, you can do whatever you want the last half hour, but I'm ten minutes away from winning a bet, so I'm not going to go over, quote-unquote, Theo. You can discuss uh, that, but what's that? I won't. I won't, because I'm going to talk about a guy who bombed a, a Taco Bell because his chulupa didn't have That's, enough meat in it. See, I okay. like that. I'm going to talk about how China's cracking down on, on overly entertaining reality TV. I like that, too. Okay. I mean, i got a lot of good stuff, Coach. Don't oh. worry about it. Uh, I'll be able to talk for a half okay. hour, I'm hoping. Darn, I wish I would be able to listen. we <laughs> got to get we got to get internet radio in the cars. David Olson, if you could get to work on that, talk to the FCC, uh, whoever our uh, director of communications is in the American government. If you have to talk to Obama, whatever it takes, let's get the internet and the radio. That would help our ratings. And if I have to leave early, I could hear the big dog talk about... Um, what are you talking about in China again? The overly entertaining uh, reality television. Ah, there you go. See, I'm going to miss or, that. Or maybe, or maybe I'll, I'll talk about a mom who put uh, their sons in a in a kennel for for oh, almost a month. Not sure. I want to yeah. hear that. Okay. Well, maybe I won't. Uh, two out of three is not bad. But uh, in a Theo free sports zone here, I would be remiss before I leave if I didn't bring up the fact that, oh, say there's an event going on called the World Series and that uh, the 2011 Major League Baseball season could end tonight. Big Dog, it's Texas at St. Louis. Jaime Garcia taking on Colby Lewis. What do you think? The Rangers go away? Um, I, 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 I want a game, a game seven. I honestly do. And, uh, I'm, I'm wondering if there's a more pressure on the Cardinals because of this whole mess up that happened in Game Five with the, the phone calls and all that. Colby uh, Lewis is a pretty good coach, and and the Rangers have so much right-handed hitting. If you're the Cardinals right now, you got to be really scared. You got to face Jaime Garcia. He's throwing him on the mound. Who's a really good pitcher with all those right-handed batters in the the Rangers order. The Rangers are going quench tonight. I would really be surprised if the Cardinals don't uh, don't get knocked out tonight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think pressure-wise, I think psychologically early in the series, it was on Texas. St. Louis, the upstart team. But I do feel, and again, I'll be first to admit, I haven't watched a ton of it, but I think that psychology has changed, and it looks to me like Texas playing a little freer and easier, and St. Louis uh, tightening up, a, not a lot, but maybe just a little bit. And, and maybe they're tightening it up a little bit for the simple fact that how could you mess up which pitcher goes into the game yesterday? Yep. And I think this, it's not like it's a tiny screw up and you're like, oh, that, it could have cost us a game. Uh, you know, it's, that's bad. When you do something that bad in the World Series, it actually adds pressure to the team. They're like, oh, man, we just gave a game away in game five. Mm-hmm. We totally choked. Oh, no, we don't want to be the team that choked and messed up and, and just gave a World Series away. The next, you know, they're playing tight. When people create gas like that, it does something to you mentally that puts more pressure on you. I don't care what anybody says. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's not like they just got beat. No, they were like, "Oh, here, Texas, here's a game in a in a bow. Go right ahead and have a World Series game. We'll get, we'll try to figure out how to get four of them somewhere else. It's not good." Yeah. In addition to that, apparently it came out. This is well a little bit odd, but. Um... The biggest play of the game in the eighth inning, the strike him out, throw him out with Albert Pujols and, and the kid uh, Craig being thrown out by Napoli. Apparently that that hit and run was not called by Tony La Russa. He lets Albert Pujols, there's some signal they have. But some of the batters on the St. Louis team dog can call their own hit and run. That's what Pujols did. So a little controversy there as well. A hit and run with two strikes? Yep. That makes no sense for Albert Pujols. People throw the ball out of the strike zone all the time. 
Albert, what are you thinking? I did not know that that happened. That makes no sense, Coach. If you have two strikes on Albert Pujols and less than three balls, how often are you going to throw him a hittable pitch, Coach? Do you know what I mean? And I hit and run. You, you're, the only guys that should hit and run are guys that are like, well, this pitcher ain't afraid of me. I know he's throwing me a strike. Something I can put the ball on. That's bad baseball strategy right mm-hmm. there by Sir Albert. Flat out. Yeah, and, and Bear, what, what's his you name? You want him hitting behind a runner? You want him driving the ball over the fence anyways. That's, that's wow. Well, wow, I think the, the theory is, you know, the theory is the guy's a contact hitter. Obviously, Albert Poole is one of the best contact hitters around. And um, I forget what the count was. Was It wasn't three and was Definitely two strikes because he struck out on the pitch, Coach. Yeah, but and it makes a difference. Well. If it was three and two, it makes a lot more sense. You're right. Well, if, if it, it was three and two with two with well three and two with one out, okay, that's what you're saying. Yes, yeah, So we before we can criticize, we'd have to know what the full count was. If, or, if, if it was not full, it's yes. a bad play. Yeah, I would tend to agree. And like I told you yesterday, what's the kid name? Bear, is it Barry Craig? Alan Craig. Alan Craig. Very very good. Uh, he got a great jump. Got a great jump on the pitcher, and it looked like he was going to steal first uh, second base easily, and then he disappeared out of the picture and. I don't know if he took a wrong turn or uh, he ran out of gas, whatever, but uh, somewhere between halfway to second base and the actual base, uh, Big Dog, uh, Mr. Craig lost his footing, shall we say. <laughs> but at well, any rate, so uh, it's yeah, game six. I, you know, I'm kind of like you. I'm hoping for Texas to win it all, but it would be fun mm-hmm. to go to tomorrow and uh, let's get a game seven and maybe get some interest in the World Series. I, I got to be quite honest. I'm not really rooting against the Cardinals. I did, and I will admit this, and I and I mean it when I said it yesterday that it was it was. I'm glad it was the Cardinals who embarrassed themselves yesterday and or the day before in the whole pitching switch fiasco. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm glad that the Cubs didn't have to do that because my Cardinal friends would be enough hard time about Bartman. But mm-hmm. I'm not rooting against the Cardinals. I really not because those same guys that give me a hard time are Cardinal fans about Bartman coach. Yep. Only fans that I like uh, of my friends. That have ever been like, you know, I wish your team wins, wins the championship. I've never heard a Packer fan say that about the Bears or a uh, Red Wing fan say it about the Hawks. But these Cardinal fans were like, just for your sake, Joel, I honestly want the Cubs to win the World Series if the Cardinals mm-hmm. aren't going to win it. Yeah, I, and I'm I, like, seriously? And they're like, yeah, they're like, you, you've suffered long enough, man. <laughs> so a- after that, I don't have any venom whatsoever for the Cardinals. But I will laugh when they do a gaff like, oh my. That was funny, Coach. Yeah, well, well, we've talked about it before. Both of us, uh, we at least pretend to be, you know, baseball purists, baseball aficionados, enjoy the game. And St. Louis Cardinals, even though they're the arch rival of the team we love, they uh, they play baseball, uh, and they got a manager who can annoy us with his ego a little bit, but he's a good manager. But they play baseball. They teach it through their system, and they, they approach the game. They play the game the right way. Big Dog do a lot of little things right. Yeah, they always have it. And, and honestly... I'm not going to be, I don't want to hate on that or whatever. They, they have done it right. Mm-hmm. So hopefully the, the Cubs will start getting that. Guys that come through the system and can catch the ball and yep. run the bases and know yep. that they're supposed to make contact at the plate. You know, the stuff yep. like that would be nice. Yep. And the guy that uh, doesn't get enough credit, uh, you know, Dave Duncan, the pitching coach, along with LaRusse, whoever else works with the pitchers, I don't think there's a baseball organization in the last 10 years, Big Dog, that has made more with less than the St. Louis Cardinals have with a lot of retread pitchers. They've had a few stars, but a lot of retread guys that have struggled, and they get better when they pitch for St. Louis. You know, Coach, I've, uh, I watch MLB. I don't watch anything else besides the History Channel, ESPN, and MLB Network. It's pretty sad. I was sheltered life when it comes to television. But I, I thought it was put perfectly. Uh, Joe McGrain, 
former left-hander for the Cardinals way before Charlie Russo was ever there. Mm-hmm. When uh, the Cardinals trade for Edwin Jackson this year, he, put, uh, he says, you know what, I want to let you know that I've always ripped Edwin Jackson, blah, 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 and it keeps going over. And he's been on 10 teams in the major leagues. Cause he, cause, well, he finally got traded to Dave Duncan. He's no longer a bad pitcher. He's going to finally get We're going to find out how much potential and how good Edwin Jackson finally is. Now that, and what, did Dave Duncan gets a hold of him, and all of a sudden the guy's throwing shutouts and stuff yep. this year. Yep. Never gets enough credit. Very underrated. You old enough to um, remember Dave Duncan as a player? Uh, no, I do not. But Dave Duncan was a backup catcher. Yep. And uh, I read this thing on Dave Duncan, and it basically they started going over the greatest pitching coaches in the history of baseball, mm-hmm. and how many of them were backup catchers who sat on the bench and listened to pitchers all yep. day long, and then would get a chance to catch these guys every once in a while. Interesting. It's it's and Dave Duncan flat out said it. He's like, I just knew. He's like, I didn't know anything about pitching. Mm-hmm. And by the end of my baseball career, I thought, man, I should have been a pitcher because now I know how to pitch after. And then now he's the best pitching coach possibly in the history of the game. Him and Leo Mazzoni had more to work with, you have to admit, coach, with, uh, mm-hmm. with the Atlanta Braves. They had a stable of ridiculous arms. The Cardinals, besides Chris Carpenter and Adam Wainwright over the last, like, 10 years, they haven't had a lot of dominant pitchers. Mm-hmm. Yet they, they're in the World Series again. Yeah, and you bring up the name Adam Wainwright, and it's more impressive, too, because, you know, the start of the season. I don't he, think he, he pitched a single game. They, they lost their best pitcher for the entire season. Yeah, so, yeah, the guy that I brought in, they still made the World Series this year. The guy, the guy that I talked about, one of the few top pitchers they have, they don't even have him this season. Good point. All right, 888-463-6748, the phone number, Big Dog and a coach rolling along here in the two guys at a mic show. i got a couple minutes left, Dog. Uh, uh, real quick, wanted to bring up one other topic before you get into some of your uh, hear ye, hear ye, seek and ye shall find off the sports page topics real quick, and that is the, uh, uh, we just read West Virginia. Going to be joining the Big 12 Conference. It's kind of a whole mixture, very confusing. Most people out there, I think, have the approach. We've kind of taken it, too. Let's just let it settle, and then we'll figure out who's in what conference. But on a bigger scale, I heard that there could be a uh, across-the-United-States super conference. 32 teams divided into regions, eight teams per conference. Real quick, wanted to get your thought on that potential, potential idea. Well, okay, I, I need you to give me a little bit more and who's going to get broken up and all that. I, I would like to, to hear that. But I, honestly, you know what i like to have happen? I, I remember going, uh, one of my buddies was talking about, he went to this party with his wife. It was a block party. And next thing you know, he went with his wife. He was totally committed to. Next thing you know, everybody had switched up, and it was all ugly. All of a sudden, one person was mad at the other. One person was really happy now. that And so it, all this jealousy started. People with the wrong people. Then at the end of the party, someone was like, hey, 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 listen this was stupid, let's just go back, let's start this thing off tomorrow, let's just figure this thing out again. That's what they should do. Every single conference affiliation that has been messed with over the last year, and I'm including Nebraska in this, should be pulled back and say, all right, where's, who really belongs in what conference? Mm-hmm. Kind of like a mulligan for every single university and conference in the So you're kind of saying right wipe, wipe the dry erase board clean, let's start over and figure out something logical. Yes, exactly. Okay, that's not going to happen. I don't like, I mean, TCU luckily is not going to be in the Big East anymore. They're back. Well, <laughs> I, they're I, the Big Twelve again. But yeah, who can you know? It's, so it's hard to keep track. A, I think the theory is, dog, the Conference USA's of the world, the WAC Conference, the Big East, some of these conferences that have been shaken up a little bit. The theory is, hey, let's instead of trying to pick this team and pick this, let let's all 
let's take all the small guys or the medium guys and let's band together and make one, I won't say super conference, but one strong, solid across the country conference. We'll break it into regions and, you know, we'll make it logical so we're not traveling all over the place. But that way there will be a voice, so to speak, for some of the smaller, not smaller schools is the wrong description, but for some of the schools that are kind of wandering aimlessly right now. Okay, it's, I guess that's what they're going to have to do to try to fix this, fix this mess that is all of a sudden arose. Mm-hmm. Uh, really? So, and, you know, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm a diehard Big Ten fan coach, but let's face it, the Big Ten started all of this 20 years ago when they brought Penn State in. Okay, but then again, Penn State at the time was an independent school. So let's, I, I, you can't really bash them. And then right, right after that happens, the SEC starts going for the power grab, and they add four schools like immediately after. If you remember how all that broke down, they were yep. like, whoa, whoa, well, the Big Ten's going to add schools. Well, we need Arkansas and South Carolina. And then next thing you know, the Big 12 does it. And, but you know what? In a sense, Coach, it seemed to make sense when they did at that point. Mm-hmm. Okay, but what they're doing now, you know, put the, making a Big 12 when you add four schools that are within 500 miles of each other makes total sense. When you start – Kicking schools out of your conference and adding schools where, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's just, it's driving me crazy. Yeah, really we, we do not want Boise State in the Big East. No, exactly. We don't need <laughs> ECU in the Big East. We don't need Texas A&M in the Southeast no. Conference. Well, my whole life in geography class, what's the Southwest of America starts in Texas. Well, then why is Texas A&M in the Southeast Conference? <laughs> okay. Oh, goodness. Just remember, uh, just outside Chicago, there's a place called Illinois. Thank you very much. All right, dog, I got to get out of here. I just wanted to tap you on. We'll talk more about the uh, conferences as that uh, unfolds, too. You want to take a quick break or go right into Hear Ye, Hear Ye? Yeah, let me take one quick break All really right. quick, and we'll be back All here. Right. Right. I will be off That's tomorrow. Fun. See you on Friday. Stick around. Big Dog's got some stuff coming at you. He'll be helped out by producer extraordinaire David Olson. He's the producer, if you're keeping track at home, that didn't go on the camping trip with a bunch of seven- or eight-year-olds. Well, that would be good, Coach. <laughs> Uh, so we'll take a quick break. I'll be back on Friday and uh, stick around for the big dog coming up. All right, back on the talkzone.com. Two guys, one mic. Two guys and I'm like the coach John Cohen. Obviously, if you were just listening, is now off to do his deep hole uh, uh, MC and job, and you, you gotta love that. Uh, you know, with that man, just to let you know, the coach John Cohen, he is lucid every once in a while, folks. So, and today was one of those days. I really do appreciate working with him when he's like that. Heck yeah, coach. So uh, we do have this new segment where coach says, "What hear ye, hear ye," and then uh, so uh, seek 
and ye shall find us his. And I forgot that that's what he called us, so I called mine, uh, hear ye, hear ye, these stories are scary. Well, looking around the, the United States and the world, there are plenty of stories that actually just scratch your head. I can't believe this stuff is happening. Well, believe it or not, there's a man <laughs> who was upset that there wasn't enough meat on his chalupa when he went to Taco Bell, so he decided to firebomb the Taco Bell that he went to. Okay, this is our incident happened uh, at about 5 o'clock Sunday morning uh, in Albany, New York. So 5 a.m. on a Sunday morning, which means that he was out on a Saturday night, people. Something tells me this guy may uh, have been out drinking a little bit too much. He might have been a little drinky. Okay. But uh, he orders two extra-large chalupas. Okay. And he basically later on, uh, when he got home, he realized there wasn't enough meat on the chalupa. So he called back and, and, and demanded for the order to be corrected. Well, when the guys basically laughed and said, I'll get out of here, he decides to come back and firebomb the Taco Bell restaurant. Now, I've been upset by not having enough food, and I do know I get awfully angry, but you had to figure the guy had to at least eat the chalupa without enough meat on it before. Don't you think that was a, a temper to his, uh, <laughs> how mad he was? Well, I guess it didn't, it didn't really work. What he ended up doing was he went to the Taco Bell, Put gas, walked around the place, put gasoline over it, and also dumped it inside of the drive-through window and lit a match on it. Luckily, luckily nobody was hurt. But you know, these guys are making minimum wage. You go there, and somebody's complaining that there's not enough meat on it, and they decide to firebomb you. Not exactly the best life for those people working at five o'clock in the morning at a Taco Bell in Albany, New York. I just just uh, throw it out there. So, people. If you don't have enough food on your, uh, enough meat on your, on your sandwich, on your chalupa, I would have to say deal with it, and you probably don't need that nasty uh, Taco Bell meat anyways. You don't need it actually uh, taking a parking spot on your butt. So let's just move on with that particular one. Hey, I just got to point out that's not even meat, <laughs> and, and they've admitted as much. It's not even meat. What are you talking about? Well, the Taco Bell meat, it's not, it's not, it's not 100% ground beef. It's about 10% ground beef, and the rest is filler. What's the filler, though? Uh, wood pulp. You're kidding me. No, I will look up. I, I will look up the article and f find out exactly what's in there. But yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah I, I really do. Thanks for, for looking that up, Dave. Because uh, you know, really, they get away with doing that. Because I do remember hearing somebody tell me. Because I, I, I was going over this. So I never eat fast food. Blah blah blah. I was like, well, every once in a while, if there was one that I wouldn't mind going back to, would be Taco Bell. And this person, like, well, no, you can't eat Taco Bell. The meat is horrible. So I do want to hear what is in that meat, that filler of meat. Okay, here, here's what it is. Here's okay. what it is. Because they don't even, they don't call it beef. It's called taco meat filling. That is the term they give it, okay? Okay. All right. So it's beef, water, isolated oat, oat product. That's the bulk of it is the oats, okay? Okay. Salt, chili pepper, onion powder. Tomato powder, more oats, uh, soy, sugar, spices, maltodextrin, soybean oil, garlic powder, yeast e extract, citric acid, caramel color, uh, uh, caramel color, cocoa powder, silicon dioxide, natural flavors. That's what makes it taste like ground beef. Okay. Uh, more yeast, modified cornstarch, natural smoke flavor, salt. Sodium phosphate, less than 2% of beef broth, potassium phosphate, and potassium lactate. 
Wow. So the the mo- oh, it, it, so I got it wrong. It's not it's not wood pulp. It's oats. It's it's mostly oats. I had no idea that they can get away with that nowadays in the United States, but I, I guess they can. And some of that stuff that you said was bad for you. Like people don't know about the multidextrin. Multidextrin is like a like a man-made sugar, and they haven't proven it was bad for you. But it's not like they haven't also proven that it gives like uh, cancer to laboratory rats or anything like that yet. So that one, doctor, there was another one in there that is really bad for you that you said. That's disappointing. How much cheaper do you think it is for them to make it that way as opposed to just giving oh, real Oh, oh my god. It's it, it's much 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 cheaper. That's how they can do they can that's how they can do like the 79 cent tacos with this stuff. Cuz I mean it's only 36% beef. 36%. The rest of that is is filler. Now, you know, as I've done this uh this uh, my the kayak tour over this summer, uh, David, you know, I've I've learned a lot about a, a bunch of different things. And, and one of them, we talk about how, like, Chicago turns nature into money, okay? They like the grain mills and uh, and the lumber yards. Well, one of them was the union stockyards. And that's kind of, obviously, they're not putting horrible stuff in that particular, in, in those those taco meats. But there was a point in U.S. history where down at the union stockyards, which is located in Canaryville now, or Canaryville, back in the 1880s and stuff, they would inject sawdust into the hot dog because they realized if you put enough sawdust into it, it would increase the weight of the hot dog and didn't change the taste that much. So, I mean, when you said wood filler, <laughs> I, was, I was like, I really was piqued. It piqued my interest because, uh, I mean, that's basically one of the reasons why the FDA started here in the United States was Teddy Roosevelt read the book The Jungle by Upton Sinclair, and as he was reading it, he was hearing about, like, the sawdust they injected in the hot dogs, the guys walking over the vats of lard that would fall in the vat of lard, and they wouldn't even be pulled out to save their life. They wouldn't even be pulled out to actually save the vat of lard, David. And they, they talked about how they concocted, Upton Sinclair talked about how they concocted the meat. The U.S. government put a stop to it. That's, that's kind of similar. And so, and they call them ground beef hot dogs. On the, I mean, ground beef tacos at Taco Bell. I swear the last time I was in there, it said ground beef on there. No, 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 no. Uh, uh, I don't know if they call it. They call it ground beef. Maybe they just call it beef. I don't know. It's I. I don't know what they call it. It's been years okay. since I ate a Taco I'm, Bell. I'm actually going to walk by a Taco Bell, go in there, and want to order a steak taco. But I want to see what they call the beef one because I got to know now that I heard the story. That's that's really nasty. So, well, I guess there's worse things that you can put in your mouth because. Uh, Right. With the wood filler, I was talking about. It's called uh, the, the, the scientific name for it is called cellulose. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh huh. Okay. It's mainly found in breakfast products. Okay. Like for example, uh, they they use it in syrup. Okay. Uh, waffles. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Certain kinds of ice cream bars. Believe it or okay. not. Uh, I'm trying to see what else they have. Well, I do know cellulose breaks down in your mouth like a sugar, so it tastes really sweet. Mm-hmm. Not really sweet, but it's kind of like cellulose is in carrots. That's the sweet part of carrots. Okay, so <laughs> I, I, I guess right, right, but, but they get it. They get it from they get it from wood pulp. That's how they that's how they get the cellulose they use in food. Okay. So well, and then like 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 for example the uh, the the crust at Pizza Hut. That's wood. And the breadsticks? 
Made oh, okay. Um, let me see. What else I got here? Uh, uh, store-bought chicken nuggets. Oh, yeah. I, I, I'd never get a chicken nugget. I'd never have any idea. Like a chicken tender, like breast meat is one thing. When you get stuff that says nugget in it, you're basically yeah. mean you're getting a lot of stuff other than whatever was like. You don't get just a chicken nugget. If it says nugget, you're getting a lot of other things. So cellulose would be one of yeah. them, you're saying. And here's the big one, hot chocolate mixes. Yeah, those are nasty. If you look at the ingredients in those, it takes you like a month to read what they put in hot chocolate. Exactly. That's why you got got to just go warm milk and Ovaltine and you're fine. So Ovaltine is the good one for you. That's still around? Oh, yeah, it's still around. Yeah, we we give it to our kids because, I mean, it's it's fortified with the vitamins and everything like that. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. I always knew it had the vitamins in it, but I, I I actually thought that that was just something that like my dad drank in the fifties and they no longer had it around. But you can still find those things. That's another thing I would do. So not only am I going to go out and go to Taco Bell, but I'm going to buy myself some Oval things just for you, David. There you have it. Good stuff. Okay. Excellent. Okay. Well, uh, I always saw Oval thing on television as a kid. I thought it was done. I don't see it anymore. I guess because now on television there's way too many reality shows and you don't have advertising for Ovaltine. It's more like advertising for lose weight without having to work, uh, get money for free and not have to work. It's like basically commercials like that. So I don't see the Ovaltine commercials anymore. Well, in China they're actually cracking down on reality TV, which I find really funny. And before I get into the story, the director of what China calls basically the place where uh, their entertainment is the F-A-R-F-E, the State Administration of Radio, Film, and Television, basically, so they're the ones that put down the edicts to everybody in China. I want to let you know what they're dealing with in China. Now, before I get into why they're upset, this is their, this is what they say is their edict for China. Satellite channels are mainly for the broadcast of news propaganda and should expand the proportion of news, economic, cultural, science, and education children's and documentary programming. That's all. But if you, it is mainly for the broadcast of news propaganda. So basically they're admitting what we're out here for is just basically uh, the television is to make sure people in China are kept in line and are told what is great about China and not actually see stuff. These guys are worried that they're putting these reality television shows and they're showing like uh, men and women having marital problems and this woman left this guy and they're like, oh, we can't have... Chinese women leaving Chinese men because that would be really bad. So that is why they don't want uh, actual issues of people seeing stuff on television and all of a sudden having them say, oh, maybe I can get up and do something about it. So it, it, it's pretty, I think they're not really worried about social issues as like, you know, people getting divorces and stuff. But I think it's more towards if you see, if they can't control reality television and maybe you have somebody out there speaking out against the Chinese government or something like that, this could end up being a huge issue, but I just, I, I love the fact that the administration of China basically admitted that television is for the propaganda of China, so, of Chinese interests. I found that kind of strange. You would never hear that in the United States. Somebody would talk twofold, talk around it, and say, we're doing this because of blah, blah, and they were like, uh uh-uh. The television in China is to promote Chinese business, and that's it. So I, I do appreciate that over there. Just a little bit different way to, to look on the world than we have here in the United States. So now I, I brought up a story when Coach is on the air that I'm going to get into, and uh, basically it's about a, a mom who who caged her son. 
her sons. And to me, this this really hits home because for some reason, like when I was working uh, in downtown Chicago, and I would see like a family walk by, and and one of the one of the kids would be on a leash, you know, and the mom would be like walking down the street, and this kid would actually be leashed up to the mom so the kid doesn't run away, you know. And, and I was, you know, can't you just discipline your kid, tell him to stay by you? Do you and if you have to put him on a leash, do you really need to walk around downtown Chicago with with the kid at the moment? So so this whole idea of you know holding somebody captive has always been a, a little bit different, you know, uh, than normal. But these kids were actually kept inside a 42 by 30 inch wire animal kennel. Okay. Now, uh, the sad thing is, is they're not sure that there was a total of four children in this house. Okay. And the woman kept all four kids in there whenever she wasn't in the home. So she would go to work instead of getting a babysitter and worry about her kids. She would lock her kids in a cage that they were basically crumped up in 30 by 42, four young children. Uh, that's not very large. This is one of the, I mean, everyone's like, oh, this, this woman's got two jobs. She's such a nice woman doing everything she can for her kids. Little do they know that these kids are being locked in a, in a kennel while the woman goes to work. This is one of the, the, the craziest stories that, that I've ever seen. Now, um, the, 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 now the way, this woman is named Samantha Iden. Okay. People thought she was like the mother of the year until they investigated that stuff. So uh, the point is, if you think someone's such a nice person, oh, they're, they're working hard and they're such a good parent for the kids, you might want to reconsider just assuming they're a good person until you really get to know them because who knows, they might be locking up their children when they get home and go, uh, when they leave. Uh, so it's pretty crazy. Pretty crazy. So uh, now maybe I should get back into the world of sports and all that stuff. I know Coach didn't want to talk about the Theo Epstein uh, situation. I am going to talk about it. I am a diehard Cup fan, and I do realize that yesterday during the whole Theo Epstein press conference, that's what it was. It was only a press conference. You're supposed to say the right thing. But you talk about a guy who said everything the right way and, and really seemed to have a, a grasp of what was going on. It was definitely Theo Epstein. And, and obviously we all know he said the whole, you know, I want to build the organization from the ground up, want to build it to, you know, teach the right way to play baseball. We all, we all knew he was going to say that, but some of the things that he either didn't have to say or admit and did that I thought was, was pretty cool. He flat out thanked Jim Hendry for remaining at GM and doing a good job and, and doing a good job over the, over the last 10 years and leaving the Cubs organization in a situation where there's a lot of talent in the organization. So I thought that was pretty cool because a lot of times you hear people who come into a new organization, whether it's a, a president, a GM, or a coach, and they're basically like, whoa, well, it's all, you know, we've got to start all from the beginning. Well, Theo Epstein didn't act like the, the, the cupboard is bereft of talent. So I, I really appreciated him doing that. He also brought up how great the last draft was of the Cubs and admitted that while he was watching the Cubs draft, He's like, what are they, what's going on over there? And when the Cubs job came open, the first thing he thought of was the draft that the Cubs had and how they were getting talent in the 20th and 30th round. So, you know, I, I thought that was really cool because so many people want to act like, oh, I'm so disadvantaged and I got it so hard. I like the fact that Theo Epstein flat out admitted that there's talent in this organization and this last draft was awesome. So I thought that was pretty cool that a lot of people will not say that. And you also put a timetable on it. And he flat out said, and I love that he said this too, he said, Bill Walsh, who's a great football executive and coach, 
said all that uh, an executive needs to put an imprint on a, an organization would be 10 years. Now, that's, that's not all they need, but after 10 years, if they haven't gotten it done, then it ain't worth it. So he's basically saying that if in 10 years the Cubs don't win a World Series, he was a failure. And hopefully it takes less than 10 years. But I, I like how we put that because there's so many things. What are you going to say? Oh, we're going to win in four years. We're going to win in five years. Who knows how long it takes, but I will agree that if you had 10 years and you haven't won it, Maybe your plan to win the World Series wasn't all that great. But, and also, let's think about this. There's 30 teams in Major League Baseball. So in 10 years, only a third of them would win a World Series if, if there was a different World Series winner every year. So that's still putting a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure on the guys. So uh, obviously, it's only a press conference. Like I said earlier, doesn't mean much. But I was very impressed with how he spoke, what he said. Also impressed that this morning I did not listen to it whatsoever, but from what I understand, he went on uh, uh, the Waddle and Sylvie show for 45 minutes and was answering questions, so that's, that's pretty good because you're putting yourself out there. When, you, when you're going on air and you're making quotes and, and saying stuff, you're really putting yourself out there for criticism and, and the ability that people look at what, what you're doing right or wrong. So, oh, well, he was doing the media tour this morning. Where else, where else he was he was on he was on uh, Molly and Hanley uh, Eric and Kathy and then uh, uh, he was on one of the WLS shows too. Okay, well I'm sure I'm sure uh, Molly and Hanley asked him some pretty hard questions, but Eric and Kathy, what was the toughest question they asked him? What boxers or breeds? Didn't hear the interview. <laughs> okay, <laughs> just heard him plugging it. Just heard him plugging it on my way into work. Yeah, I got you. I got you. So um, that's the. You see the Saviors, all that, and no, no, not at all. I, I do love when he said, when we win an organization, it won't be because of one man. It's going to be because of the collective job that all of us have done as an organization. So he never he never said, oh, we're going to win a World Series, but until then, that's when he said it, Dave. And he, and while he said it in a way that was basically saying, listen, I'm not the Savior, but we're going to get it done. I, I, I love how he said it. I, you know what, every single pre- – if you don't sound good after a press conference when you're hired, you really need a PR guy to teach you something, it, obviously, because it's nowadays there's been so many press conferences. If you haven't figured out what to say to make you, yourself look good and look like you know what you're doing, you're an idiot and you should have been fired in the first spot. So, obviously, he has to come through with the stuff that he said, but it was a nice, basic plan, and, and I, I, he seems like he's a, he's a guy of character, especially the way he talked about Hendry, and I, and I thought he was right about the stuff he said about Jim Hendry. As much as, much as Cup fans have bashed that guy, and I've also been one of them because he's made a, a lot of mistakes, compared, I said it yesterday, I'll say it again, the Cubs organization has proved tenfold, that the, uh, improved tenfold from the, the type of talent they had in there a couple years ago to what they have right now, so... Uh, that's the Theo Epstein thing. I guess we'll go back to concentrating on the last two games of the World Series and, and some football. Uh, it's going to be a good year. Just to let everybody know, I was going to throw this out there again. So please, if you have a chance this Sunday, you want to come on down to the Montgomery Ward building. On the Montgomery Ward building, right on the river at about 950 North. That's where Water Riders is. You can go to waterriders.com this Sunday, 530. I'm giving a haunted tour. And it is phenomenal. It talks about some of the, the great stories in the history of Chicago uh, of, of hauntings and killings and just crazy, crazy stories. So it's this, this Sunday at 5.30, October 30th. Dress up if you can, and because afterwards at Motel Bar, I'm giving away a prize for the best costume. Okay, so check it out. Uh, Dave, I do really appreciate you uh, hanging out with me for the last 25 minutes. As 
as coach has left us high and dry. I can appreciate it. It's, it's all good. So, David Olson, you're doing a fine job. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Two Guys and a Mic. This is Joel Ronski, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Goodbye, everybody.